Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. So as you see in the uh, introductory video, we're doing a series on the book of Hebrews, and um, we're probably going to go through this book in, in three separate chunks. There are sort of three major uh, divisions in the book, and, and so we'll do the first division over the next three or four weeks, take a break, come back to it, um, do another three or four weeks, and then take a break, and then come back to it. So we should be able to get through the whole book in, I don't know, a few months with some breaks in between with other message series. Um, I will say at the beginning, uh, we've forgotten to do this for the past few weeks, uh, or I forgot to mention it. If you have a question or comment relevant to the message, uh, send a text to me or put it on the YouTube chat, and it'll get forwarded to me, and we'll deal with them at the end if we have any. And um, hopefully we do. It's nice to have the conversation. So uh, the first question I would ask... Well, the first question you might be asking is why? Why do Hebrews? And, um, you know, we do a lot of uh, topical messages at Crossland Church. We do uh, a lot of uh, answers and responses to things going on in our culture. And we've done that for the past couple of years. It's been a while since we actually went through a, a book of the Bible. And, and so uh, we, we never, you know, throw a dart and say, what do we speak about? So this comes out of prayer um, that, that I believe that God is saying something to us as a church through this time. And so the question is, what is God saying? Um, rather than Starting with the problem, rather than starting with uh, an issue, starting with uh, the, the, the people agenda, this time we're starting with what is scripture actually saying and see what comes out of that. So again, why Hebrews? Um, Hebrews is, uh, uh, there's a general sense of what's going on in the book, right? The, the general issue of the book is that it's being written to people that are seem to be followers of Jesus who are wanting to slide back into their old religious expression, specifically Judaism or Judaism as it was practiced, practiced in that time. And uh, that's that first agreement, the first Old Testament covenant with the people. And it's an important, it was recognized early on, like the early church was saying, this is an important book, which is why it was perpetuated, which is why it was included in scripture. And um, what we tend to do with Hebrews is we tend to isolate and talk about certain passages or certain verses, but it's not one you hear a lot talked about in over like the whole arc of the whole book. And so uh, one thing that we want to do is, is, is look at the book and say, why does it matter today? So sure, we can isolate those few verses and get something out of it, but why does the whole book matter? What does it say to us? So again, why Hebrews? I find it a very difficult book. Um, I, I find it something that's, that's uh, tough to get the, the meaning of, and, you know, we all should be absorbing scripture on a daily basis. And God will speak to us through scripture. But the difficult stuff, the harder stuff, I think that's kind of my job, to say, okay, let me sort of lead the way in, in unwrapping this for, for all of us to understand it together. And so we have an opportunity to dig deeper into the text that normally you wouldn't in your daily Bible reading. And, uh, and the reason, one of the reasons why it's difficult is because there's a cultural divide. We don't live in that world. And so that's one thing that, that we're going to aim at doing. So today is just an introduction to the whole book. And I hope it's not really awkward because of that. But at some point, I, you know, I realized we need to have an introduction to it. I was, uh, I was at a, a, an outreach one time. 
It was, a, it was a Christian event that was in, uh, designed to attract people that don't know Jesus and introduce them to Jesus. And I don't remember what the pastor was talking about in his message. I think he was preaching from Revelation, if I remember right. But I was, I was there uh, because I was part of the worship band. And I remember as he's going through his message, um, the longer he talked, the more I thought, this is a really bad sermon. Like it was, it, the language, it was inaccessible to somebody that was unchurched. I wasn't sure uh, that what he was saying was relevant to our culture, relevant to the people. And I'm not even sure that what he was saying was faithful to the text. And it was very frustrating. Now, part of that is because, you know, I've been to Bible college and I, I know, kind of know what's expected. And I don't know that everybody, uh, like most people haven't had that kind of training. But I was just really, really frustrated. And um, some of that, that happens... I don't know how regularly it happens, but it happens in churches. If we were, if we were a more traditional church, like if we were, the, the word is mainline, some of the older traditions, they actually preach through a calendar. What that means is that there, there, there's a set biblical text for every day, and generally speaking, over the course of a year or two or three, they work their way through the whole Bible, and you get a sense of what the Bible is saying from beginning to end. Um, but sometimes there's a sense of the, the person is talking, and you're wondering what he's saying has to do with today. How does that biblical text actually apply today? You're talking about the text, but how does it apply to today? And other times, when you hear somebody preaching that calendar like that, sometimes you think, okay, I see what you're saying, how it applies to today, but how does it apply to the text you're supposed to be talking about? So you can, you can do it badly both ways. But I wonder sometimes if people are in, the, in those congregations, like just listening for, is he going to follow the rules and get it right? Is he really going to talk about the text properly and apply it for, for today? And we, in our tradition, we don't have that. We're a more recent tradition. And, and so we tend to lean more to, uh, we don't have a, a, what they call a liturgical calendar. We don't put the, the passages on Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, but we still have rules to follow. The rules were expected to follow. They're not always followed. And so we, we have a general preference in our tradition that you wouldn't know is that you're still expected to start with the text and explain it. There's basically two things we should be doing on a weekly basis. Explain the text, explain and interpret, and then apply it. What does it mean? How do I use it? And then there's specific ways to deal with the interpretation, right? So if I, understand, if I want to understand what the text is saying, well, who originally wrote it? Who was the author? Who was he, usually he, writing to? What were the questions? What was the situation? What was, what was being addressed in this? What are the, what's the cultural context? When, when they're dealing with specific issues, are they cultural issues? Are there expressions being used that are cultural expressions that kind of need to be translated? And then the, the part of the work is to extract the truth out of that and apply it to today's circumstance. That's what's expected. So, when we look at Hebrews, Hebrews seems to be a letter, and there are other letters. We've looked at some of them in message series in the past. We've looked at uh, Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Romans, and, and, and they write their letters differently. And so, we, most of the letters in the New Testament are written by Paul. You know, there's a couple by Peter, one by James, a few by John. And, and it starts, usually starts with the person who's writing the letter. They do it the opposite of us. We finish the letter saying, yours truly, Fred. The, Paul's letters start with Paul. Here's who I am to you. 
right? And so there's a different format that can, can, can be confusing to us, but we can have a general sense at the scholarly level of what a letter is supposed to look like. And so if you study a book like Galatians or Ephesians or whatever, uh, it's pretty easy to, to figure out, generally speaking, you're hearing one side of the conversation, but you can kind of, you know who's writing it, you know to whom they're writing, you get a pretty good sense about what, what the circumstance is that they're writing about, even though you're only hearing one half of the conversation, and then you can figure out what it's supposed to mean and how to apply it. Then we come to Hebrews. It doesn't follow the format at all. So we're supposed to, we're supposed to be able to explain this and, and apply it to our life. And here's one of the reasons why it's difficult. We don't know who wrote it. There's been arguments for centuries about who wrote it. Did Paul write it? Did Barnabas write it? Did Apollos write it? Did whoever. And really, there's no way to know for certain. Even the people that argue for the different people say, well, there's no way to know for certain. So we don't know who wrote it. Where was it written? We have no idea. To whom was it sent? Not a clue. It's supposed to be a letter. It doesn't look like one. We don't even know what the exact problem is that's being addressed. In fact, we wouldn't even know it was a letter, except at the end it says something like this was a letter that we're sending. Otherwise, we wouldn't know it was a letter. And that's one of the reasons why it's a difficult book. But again, recognize from the earliest days, this is really meaningful, this is scripture, God speaks to us through this, so we're going to preserve it. And there's something that it says to us today. There's a movie called uh, Memento. You've got to pay close attention to this movie, because it's about a guy who's solving a crime, but he has short-term memory loss. So, there's a movie called Memento. It's about a guy who's solving a crime, but he's got short-term memory loss. And so it tells the story backwards. It tells the story from the present and works his way back as he's, as he's uh, figuring stuff out and he's writing notes to himself all the time and, he, and he's working way backwards to figure out what happened. And so if you watch it once and you go, oh, that's what happened, and you can watch it another time and the, the second watching is completely different because you already know what happened. You're not figuring it out as you go. And so what some scholars have done, they've looked at, they've looked at the book of Hebrews and they try to work backwards to figure out why it is the way that it is, and, and how, how it came to be, and why we still keep it. And th there's something really interesting about this, and maybe it's just me. I, f I found this really cool when I started discovering this, okay? The first, here's the first clue, and it's right at the end of the book. Hebrews 13.22 says this, I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to pay attention to what I have written in this brief exhortation. Okay, so if you were to look at the original language, it wouldn't say this brief exhortation, it would say this word of exhortation, which seems like, okay, there's just some, there's some words there, except that's a very specific phrase with specific meaning. If I, if I look at Acts 13, 15, it says, so here, here's um, Paul and his travel companion doing missions work, and they're visiting synagogues here and there, and it says this, after reading from the law and the prophets, okay, I want you to pay attention to that, after reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, our main characters, Paul and his travel companions, saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. What they're saying is, we have our regular readings, we have a reading from the law, we have a reading from the prophets. So, we look at the Old Testament as, it's the Old Testament. They didn't look at it like that. They, they had sections. So the first section would be, was called the law. It would be known as the Torah. 
After the law, you have the prophets, which is a separate section. And after the prophet section, you have the writings, which include the Psalms and Proverbs and all that other stuff. So law, prophets, writings. If you read through the, through the New Testament, you read through the Gospels, and Jesus sometimes says the law says this. Sometimes he says the law and the prophets say this. Sometimes he says that the law, the prophets, and the writings say this. They had a, three categories of scripture. And so what they're saying is after in the synagogue, after the reading of the law and the reading of the prophets, somebody gives a sermon and they call that sermon a word of exhortation. So the first clue tells us that Hebrews is not just a letter, it's a sermon. So somebody wrote a sermon, somebody wrote it down and said, this sermon is so good, we got to mail it out to everybody. I mean, almost literally, I think that's what happened. So it's a sermon preached in a synagogue, not just a synagogue, a Christian synagogue, where you have people that are gathering together every Saturday or every Sunday, depending on how removed it was from its Jewish practice, and, and you would have readings, and then you would have a sermon. Here's the second clue. There was a preaching calendar. Just like in our more traditional churches, there's a preaching calendar. You have to, this Sunday you preach about this, and, and that Sunday you do that reading, and that Sunday you do that reading. And every, or, or Saturday, don't know. Scholars have discovered that there was a triennial cycle. That's a word that means every three years. So every three years, they would preach all the way through the scripture. And they would have a reading from the law, and they would have a reading from the prophets. And then somebody would preach a sermon about those two readings. And so as scholars have looked at the book of Hebrews and worked backwards through it, they've realized it looks like there's a reading from the law, there's a reading from the prophets, and somebody wrote a sermon about that according to very, very specific rules. The sermon was supposed to explain the meaning of the text. Almost exactly what we do here on Sunday. You explain it, and then you apply it. But they had really, really specific rules. So the sermon, and, and here's how we know this. A lot of these sermons have been, have, have been uh, found in other documents, but within Judaism. So there were Jewish sermons, and Hebrews is one of the earliest of these that fits the same pattern. And the pattern looks something like this. So in the synagogue service, somebody would do a reading from the, the Torah, the law, somebody would do a reading from the prophets and somebody would come up and say, now I'm going to preach a message about this. And the first third of this message was an exposition, explanation of the law reading. But the rule was kind of, you're going to talk about that passage of scripture, but you can't quote it. This is what made it difficult to find it out. So you could quote the writings, you could quote the Psalms, any of the psalms that refer to that passage, you can quote that, and for the first third of it, you're saying, here's the explanation of the law reading we just did. And you're quoting all these psalms and other bits of scripture. When you read Hebrews, that's exactly what you see. You see psalm, 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 psalm quoted. And you're kind of not sure what he's talking about. Why? Because we don't have the original reading. But scholars have realized, have discovered, that at, at the end of that first third, the explanation part... There's a reference to the reading. And the reference seems to be a reference to Exodus 31-32, which was part of the preaching calendar. And Exodus 31 and 32 was partnered with the, the reading from the prophets, which is Jeremiah 31. And in the second third of the book, 
the writer of the sermon, explains Jeremiah 31. And so that's where you see the pattern happening. And the third part, to kind of mesh it all together with this, with this uh, sort of encouragement piece, which is the third third of the book. And that, that whole thing sort of encapsulates what Hebrews is about. So now our series is done. No, we're, what we're going to do from week to week, we're going to take each one of those thirds and sort of break it apart. Now, what's different here, what's different is because this is, seems to be taking place in a Christian synagogue, this new movement of people recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah. So God sent Jesus to bring about his new agreement that doesn't rely on the sacrificial system or the high priest or whatever. Jesus breaks down all that structure and creates access directly to God. So this whole, all of the readings, the law reading, the prophets reading, even the writings, and the sermon take all of that structure and they point it to Jesus from beginning to end. And that's what's unique about Hebrews. We don't have anything else like it. I don't think there's any evidence of any other synagogue sermon that's focused on Jesus like the book of Hebrews. It's through the lens of Jesus, and it points directly to Jesus. The Messiah who came to die on our behalf, go to the cross, and rose from the dead to triumph over death and bring us back into relationship with God. So I mentioned at the beginning of the message today, this introductory message, that the general problem we can see that it's addressing is that people were, I think, getting worn down and going back to where they were before. There was a, there was a push, there was a tendency to go back to the old covenant. And so this is not our situation today. I've met very, very few people in the church that say, you know what? I, I've been a follower of Jesus, but I want to go to Judaism. It does happen a, little, happen a little bit. Most of us don't come from Judaism, so that's not our tendency. But what does happen is we get worn down. So we're going to go through the whole book in a few weeks, throughout a few weeks. Um, but today, I just want to highlight that general problem. And here's a clue. I'm talking a lot about clues today. Hebrews 12, 3 and 4 says this. Think of all the hostility he, talking about Jesus, Endured from, single, from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. He's talking about people that are undergoing persecution. He's talking about people that are, that are dealing with the daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly battle to stay faithful to Jesus. And for them, it might have meant... Um, having their business cha challenged because people don't want to patronize their business anymore. It might have meant being separated from family because you would be ostracized as, as a follower of Jesus. You, you would be expelled from your family. It was difficult. But here's something that I think it speaks to us today. We all experience challenges. And right now we're experiencing a worldwide challenge of COVID-19. Some of us are getting tired of it. Some of us are getting weary. And in this moment, in these months, I mean, we haven't faced death, most of us, but we are under pressure. And when you're under pressure, sometimes there's a tendency to slide backwards, back to your old, maybe an old belief system. Maybe you've come into a greater understanding of your relationship with Jesus, and you've come out of a rule-based living. And when you get tired, you want to go back to the rules. 
It's just, there's structure there. I, I can handle my kids that way. Kids, life is all about the rules. Just follow the rules. And we slide back to that. Or maybe you're sliding back to old habits and patterns of behavior that you've moved on from because Jesus has brought you freedom, has brought you health. But as you're getting worn down, you start sliding back to the old habits. Maybe you're sliding back into old traditions that take the place of a meaningful living relationship with God. Are you losing steam over a year into COVID? You getting tired? Are you wearing down? Are you cooling off? We started the service today with Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. In order to maintain the vitality of life as a follower of Jesus, we need to be absorbing scripture on a daily basis, being fed, being filled, daily and fresh. He is our source of life. Through scripture, God speaks to us. And so as much as we do a message series where we're trying to cross that cultural divide and bring explanation where there was confusion, this is an add-on to your daily life. Are you wearing down? Plug into the vine. Are you losing steam? Be energized through God. He has the life to give you. I'm going to read all of our text messages as we're getting close to the end. And that's it. I'm done. There were no, none. So I want to address those of you who maybe this is, maybe this is striking a chord with you. And, and maybe you have a, that taste for that life that seems to be beyond what, it, what runs us down and wears us out. But that's only available to you if you are in God's family. It's only available if you've put your life reorienting trust in Jesus. And so if you've never done that, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. You can't just dabble from the inside or pick and choose. We have to put Jesus at the center of our lives in order to access the life that he has to give us. And so how do you do that? It's as simple as ABC. A means to acknowledge your need for him, to admit. It's saying, I admit that I don't have that life inside of myself. That, that my life is less than it could be. That, in fact, we all have things in our life, habits and, and behaviors that we know are self-destructive. And our best efforts are not enough to overcome them. But Jesus is enough to overcome that. That's, that's where we go from the A to the B. The B is believe. So the believe is placing our trust. It's not about checking a box on an opinion, but it's about putting our trust that Jesus went to the cross to overcome our very self-destructive nature, which leads to death. Jesus took that to death and overcame it in his own death. But because he, had, he, he carried the cost of what he did not deserve, he was able to overcome death from the inside out and triumphed over death. So our ultimate hope, our trust is in that ultimate hope that we will not be defeated by death in the end. And there's an ultimate resurrection where that full life, we will live fully for eternity. So A, admit, B, believe, that's trust, and then C is commit. So this is not something you can look at from the outside and, and like a cafeteria, pick and choose the elements you want. You gotta jump in both feet. This is the new life. 
It's not something you meet casually. This is completely life reorienting. Admit your need, place your belief, your trust in Jesus, and commit fully to him. And if that's something you want to do today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'll, I'll say a prayer. I'll try to say it slowly. Make the words your own. Repeat them out loud if you have to. Pray something like this. God, my Father in heaven, I thank you for the offer of new life in Jesus. I admit that I am failing on my own. I acknowledge that I need you. And so I'm choosing to trust in Jesus today. I'm choosing to believe in a life reorienting way in what you are offering to me. And believing that I am committing my life to you to put Jesus at the center of my life. That in him I will find true life. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. And if this is a decision you're making today for the first time, please connect with us. We, we have to walk together in this spiritual life. And there are next steps. And so go into crossings.live on your smart device, phone or whatever, and, and click the follow Jesus button and give us your contact information and we'll get back to you with where to go from here. How do I move forward in my relationship with God through Jesus? God has given us scripture and Hebrews is one of those books. And um, even though it can be difficult because we're culturally divided from the original audience, the original setting of the text, God still speaks to us through it. And we have the means to open up and uncover a whole richness of meaning that comes out of that book. And so I would encourage you to continue to track with us, whether you're here in person, whether you're watching online, over the next three or four weeks as we cover that third, uh, first third of the book. And we, we as a church hear what God is saying to us as we see it explained and as we apply it to our life. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you that you never leave us to struggle on our own but you are always with us. Father, as, uh, as we feel the burden of the ongoing pandemic, Father, may we respond to that with your peace, your hope, your joy, your strength that goes beyond what we could ever do on our own. Father, I pray that as we fill ourselves with your words, that we would experience that life growing in us on a daily basis. And not only would we be able to thrive in a situation where thriving doesn't seem possible, but we would also be a light to those around us who don't know you and are struggling, who don't have recourse. May we experience your life. May we share your life. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.